Welcome, everyone, to the Logical Belief Ministries podcast. I'm your host, Jason Mullet. Uh, you can visit our website at logicalbelief.org. You can watch these podcasts on YouTube. You can find us there just by searching for Logical Belief and subscribing to the channel. Uh, you can also find us on Google Play or iTunes um, just by searching with your favorite podcast catcher and subscribing to the channel there. Uh, if you have any questions, any words of encouragement, um, just go ahead and send those to Jason at logicalbelief.org. Ding dong! Jehovah's Witnesses. Ding dong! Mormons. Christian, are you ready to defend the faith when false religions ring your doorbell? Do you know what your Muslim and Jewish friends believe? You will if you get Andrew Rappaport's book, What Do They Believe? When we witness to people, we need to present the truth, but it is very wise to know what they believe, and you will get Andrew Rappaport's book at whatdotheybelieve.com. Alrighty, make sure to pick up Andrew's book, What Do They Believe? Um, just a reminder, we will be doing a drawing soon. Um, I'm going to be getting three copies of that, and we'll be giving them away on the show. Uh, just a reminder also to you regular listeners, if you enjoy the show, and appreciate it, uh, go ahead and rate us on iTunes, um, write a uh, review, uh, that always helps us um, to go up higher in the rankings. Um, also, make sure to um, like um, the page on Facebook and share our ep episodes in social media, both on Twitter and Facebook. It always helps to get the word out, um, <clears throat> and if you have any other good, solid Christian podcasts and ministries that you listen to make sure to share their material also um, <clears throat> because uh, despite a lot of the issues with social media let's redeem it and use it for the Lord so let's go ahead and put as much out there that is edifying um, and that can be used by God to bring people to the truth of the gospel so uh, today um our topic um, is going to be, <clears throat> we're going to jump back on to the topic of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, I haven't done anything on them in a little while. Um, however, uh, I had something come up. Um, I had a friend of mine from church um, who is a, a very avid um, evangelist to the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, bring me a particular pamphlet uh, and or booklet uh, produced by the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, and he uh, showed me a section of it, and he was asking me some questions. He wanted some help with it, and it was uh, in particular uh, some of the claims they made in that pamphlet uh, in reference to the historicity of the doctrine of the Trinity in the early church, and he wasn't quite sure about how to respond to it, um, this is actually Wojciech, who's been on my show before, uh, I don't know, back nine, ten episodes. Uh, he joined us in talking about the um, uh, Watchtower, Bible and Tract Society's uh, atrocious history when it comes to prophecies. So we had an episode on that, but um, he showed me this particular pamphlet, and I was completely appalled at the... Um, uh, frankly, the deception um, that this um, pamphlet is promoting. And um, <clears throat> it's this one right here. I actually have a hard copy of it right here. It's entitled, Should You Believe in the Trinity? And if any of you have encountered Jehovah's Witnesses, you may have ran across this particular booklet. But uh, what I wanted to do today is I... I wanted to um, address page 7 in this uh, pamphlet and uh, because it, it makes some rather astounding claims. And it, it lists uh, six early uh, anti-Nicene uh, church fathers, that is before the Council of Nicaea in 325, um, they list Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, uh, Clement of Alexander, Tertullian, Hippolytus, and Origen. 
and they attempt to establish that the doctrine of the Trinity was um, something that was just unknown in the early church and was a later invention of the 4th century, the time of Constantine, the um, the Council of Nicaea, and uh, the Council of... Uh, uh, Constantinople and uh, basically that's where the Trinity comes from and no evidence of it before that and uh, so we're, we're going to address this particular argument today but the, the thing that I want to um, ask those of you out there that are Jehovah's Witnesses if you are listening to this particular episode is the the question I want you to ask yourself as we go through this, and I hope you hang in there, you listen to what we have to say, um, you look up um, our quotations, our references uh, that we make, and you look to see if these things indeed are true. But the question that you must ask yourself is... The uh, really all, all you can say is once we get actually through this page of the pamphlet, page seven, entitled "What the Antinicene Fathers Taught." If you don't conclude that the intention of the authors of this pamphlet was to deceive, was to intentionally distort. Um, then I, I don't I don't know what you're reading. Um, the that that's really all I can say. I, I don't think we can justify what is in here as just ignorance, uh, lack of understanding of church history, lack of reading um, original sources. <clears throat> um, that's not the issue here. The um, you can read many of the early church fathers. In fact, every single one of these mentioned here in this pamphlet. Uh, you can read them in English. They're, they've been translated. Um, <clears throat> and so you don't really have any excuse. No one has any excuse for the level of scholarship in this. And to me, it's very obvious, deliberate deception. And so the question I would have for you, if you are a Jehovah's Witness and you are listening to this, and the obvious deception your organization, the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, is doing here is the question I have for you is why would you place into the hands of a society that is willing to use absolute and total deception for a promotion of their doctrines? Why would you put your eternal salvation into their hands? Um, that's a question I really hope that you consider and that you think about. So... Uh, what I've done is <clears throat> a couple days ago, or actually yesterday, um, I posted an article on the blog, LogicalBelief.org. It's the first article there right now. It's published on October 1st. It's entitled um, Addressing Errors in the Watchtower Publication, entitled Should You Believe in the Trinity? And so you can go ahead and check that out. All the material I'm going to be going through today is there on that article, so you can check it out yourself. Uh, you can look through the bibliography, um, all the references I make. You can check it out. But uh, what we're going to do is just spend some time going through this and addressing uh, a lot of the claims made in here. And uh, so without further ado, we'll just jump right into it. The, the first one... <clears throat> that they attempt to use is Justin Martyr. Now, let's uh, I'm gonna pull up my article here. Um, Justin Martyr was a um, Christian apologist who wrote many defenses uh, uh, for the Christian faith against <clears throat> um, against many um, of those who opposed uh, the Christian faith, and so he wrote. He, mo he wrote actually quite a bit. 
And the first quote here from this pamphlet says this, and I quote, Justin Martyr, who died around 165 CE, called the pre-human Jesus a created angel who is other than the God who made all things. He said that Jesus was inferior to God and never did anything except what the creator willed him to do and say. Now, that's the end of the quote. <clears throat> so, what the writers here of this pamphlet are trying to establish here is that Justin Martyr uh, believed, actually believed, that Jesus was just a created being, and he was an angel very similar to the Jehovah's Witnesses' belief that uh, Jesus is just Michael the Archangel. However, um, the one thing I do want to note is all these supposed citations and quotes. Um, the pamphlet never makes any effort at all. There's no effort in here at all to, to tell us where these citations actually come from. So you have to kind of do your own homework, and in some cases I can't even find where they come from at all. Um, this one here probably comes from Justin Martyr's dialogue with Trypho the Jew in, in chapter 56. And so I'm going to go ahead and read that section and read it in context. And let's see if what the Watchtower Society is trying to establish with this statement is actually what Justin Martyr was trying to say. And as I said before, the ripping Justin out of context so deliberately uh, or is nothing but deliberate and um, an actual effort to deceive. There is no level of effort being exerted here to actually come towards truth. There's just nothing here. Um, so the the actual statements in here that they actually have in quotes was that uh, it says, called the pre-human Jesus a created angel who is, now that's just the statement in the pamphlet. Then they put in quotes, other than the God who made all things. And then they also say, he said that Jesus was inferior to God and, and here we have the quote, never did anything except what the Creator willed him to do and say. Okay, so in chapter uh, 56 of Justin Martyr's Dialogue with Trypho the Jew, he says this. And so this is likely where this citation is said to have come from. Then I replied, I shall attempt, and this is quoting from Justin here, Then I replied, I shall attempt to persuade you, since you have understood the scriptures of the truth of what I say, that there is, and that there is said to be another God and Lord subject to the maker of all things, who is also called an angel, because he announces to men whatsoever the maker of all things, above whom there is no other God, wishes to announce them. And quoting once more the previous passage, I asked Trypho, Do you think that God appeared to Abraham under the oak at Mature, as the scripture asserts? Well, first of all, that you have to notice just in this quote itself, just in here in chapter 56, what Justin is saying here is that you, Trypho, you understood the scriptures of truth, of what I say, that there is, and that there is said to be another God and Lord, subject to the maker of all things, who is called an angel, because he announces to men whatsoever the maker of all things, above whom there is no God, wishes to announce to them. So what Justin is simply saying right here is that, Trypho, this is something that you yourself acknowledge, um, that there is this angel who um, announces to men whatsoever the maker of all things, above whom there is no other God wishes to announce to them. So Trypho, having knowledge of the Old Testament Scripture, and any of us that have ever studied the Old Testament Scripture, we're well aware of what we call Christophanies or Theophanies. 
Um, and that is um, pre-incarnate uh, coming into his creation, representations of Jesus Christ. Uh, the angel in the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. Um, the angel who wrestled with Jacob. Um, the angel who came to Samson's uh, parents, Manoah, and announced his coming. The angel of the Lord who came to Gideon. The angel of the Lord who spoke to the Israelites in Judges chapter 2. We believe these to be the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. However, just as all of us today who believe that the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is a pre-incarnation of Jesus Christ, we don't believe what this track here is trying to assert that not only Justin believes here. Justin is simply making the argument that there are Christophanies, there are Theophanies, and we can see that in the context of what he writes later on. Let's look in chapter 58 of Justin Martyr's um, uh, Dialogue with Trypho the Jew. So in chapter 58, I have a long section here, and I'm just going to read different uh, parts of it here, but you can go check this out yourself. Um, <clears throat> I'll begin in chapter 58. It says, and, and this is Justin Martyr here, And I continue. It is again written by Moses, my brethren, that he who is called God and appeared to the patriarchs is called both angel and Lord. So what is Justin actually arguing here? Do you as a Jehovah's Witness actually believe what Justin Martyr says here? Do you believe that this angel, the angel of the Lord here is God? Um, it continues here in order that from this you may understand him to be the minister to the father of all things as you have already admitted and may remain firm persuaded by additional arguments the word of God therefore recorded by Moses when referring to Jacob the grandson of Abraham speaks thus and it came to pass when the sheep conceived and I saw them with my eyes in the dream and behold the he goats and the rams which leaped upon the sheep and the she-goats were spotted with white and speckled and sprinkled with dun color. And the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, Jacob, and I said, What is it, Lord? And he said, Lift up thine eyes and see that the he-goats and the rams leaping on the sheep and the she-goats are spotted with white, speckled, and sprinkled with dun color. For I have seen what Laban doth unto thee. I am the God who appeared to thee in Bethel. So we can see here that Justin Martyr is arguing that Jesus Christ is the angel of the Lord and is the God who spoke to Jacob in the Old Testament. So his argument here is for the deity of Christ. And so to quote Justin Martyr in this context and say that he was simply Let's go ahead and read it again. Simply sent calling the pre-human Jesus a created angel who is other than the God who made all things is absurd. It's frankly absurd to make that particular assertion. Um, <clears throat> he goes on here in chapter 58. But Jacob was left behind alone and an angel wrestled with him until morning and he saw that he is not prevailing against him. And he touched the broad part of his thigh, and the broad part of Jacob's thigh grew stiff while he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. But he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said to him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. For thou hast prevailed with God, and with men shalt be powerful. And Jacob called the name of that place Penel, for I saw God face to face. Notice once again Justin's argument here. Justin is arguing that this angel of the Lord, which he is arguing is the pre-incarnation of Jesus Christ, is God. 
he's making an argument for the deity of Christ from the Christophanies in the Old Testament. He goes on to say, And there he built an altar, and he called the the name of the place Bethel, for there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother Esau. And it goes on, Justin goes on just a little bit further in chapter 58. And God appeared again to Jacob and Luz when he came out from Mesopotamia and Syria, and he blessed him. And God said to him, Thy name shall no more be called Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. He is called God, and he is and shall be God. That's Justin's argument. His argument is he is called God, and he is and shall be God. You can't get a more clear affirmation of the deity of Christ. Moreover, I consider it necessary to repeat to you the words which narrate how he is both angel, speaking of Jesus, and God and Lord, who appeared as a man to Abraham and who wrestled in human form with Jacob and seen by him when he fled from his brother Esau. Um, He goes on to say, uh, in speaking of Jacob, when he saw the ladder, the vision of the ladder, and he goes, and the Lord stood upon it, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, thy father, and Isaac. So Justin's entire argument in this context is for the deity of Christ, exactly what um, this pamphlet is trying to argue, that Justin was not making that argument. Um, Let's look and see... What are some other things that Justin Martyr wrote in some of his other works? In his first apology, uh, chapter 61, he uses clear Trinitarian language. He says, uh, in speaking of baptism, he says, For in the name of God the Father, the Lord of the universe, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, they then receive the washing with water. <clears throat> he also says in his first apology, chapter 63, previous quote was from chapter 61, uh, he says this, the father of the universe has a son who is also being the first begotten word of God is even God. A clear affirmation of the deity of Jesus Christ. The word of God the Logos in John chapter 1 is what Justin here is arguing is even God. He also writes in chapter 36 of his dialogue with Trifo the Jew. He says this very clear and unambiguously Christ is called both God and Lord of hosts. So <clears throat> the attempt here to actually use Justin Martyr as an argument against the doctrine of the Trinity is beyond the pale and absolute attempt to deceive. Um, The next church father that um, the track attempts to misrepresent is Irenaeus. Uh, Irenaeus lived from about 115 uh, to 190 A.D. Uh, He was said to have probably been a disciple of Polycarp, uh, and Polycarp would have been a disciple of the Apostle John. And uh, he was uh, the bishop in Lyon, uh, which would be in present-day France. It would have been Gaul uh, back in uh, the time of the Roman Empire. So, in the pamphlet, it says this, and I quote, Irenaeus, who died around 200 CE, said that the pre-human Jesus had a separate existence from God and was inferior to him. He showed that Jesus is not equal to the, now, I'm going to stop right there, everything that I've read so far, no quotes, no citations. Here they finally put a quote is not equal to, now they have a quote from Irenaeus, the one and true and only God who is supreme over all and besides whom there is no other. 
Now, that's the only actual quote they have from Irenaeus. Let me read it again. The, ac the only quote they actually have from Irenaeus himself is, The one true and only God who is supreme over all and besides whom there is no other. Well, first of all, that's Trinitarian language. We as Trinitarians believe there is only one true and only God who is supreme over all and besides whom there is no other. What you're going to continue to see whenever dialoguing with Jehovah's Witnesses or any form of Unitarian, <clears throat> you will continue to see the assumption of being in person being synonyms. Um, if you guys go back to and, and listen to the episodes that I had with um, uh, uh, Carl Albert, who um, is associated with the Black Hebrew Israelite movement, in my dialogues with him, you will see the assumption of Unitarianism. And if you've had any conversations with Jehovah's Witnesses, you will um, continue to see this. You'll see this with Oneness Pentecostals. Um, with anyone basically that denies the Trinity. Um, you'll see it with uh, Muslims. Um, <clears throat> they will all assume that whenever the term God is used in Scripture, that automatically means one person. Um, but that's an assumption on their part. It's an unproven assumption because Scripture makes it very clear there is only one God besides whom there is no other. There is one Creator uh, who is supreme over all, and there is no other besides him. However, Scripture makes it very clear that there are three divine persons that share the titles, that share the attributes, um, that are given the honor and worship due unto God alone. But yet there are three divine persons that receive all of this. And so, therefore, the doctrine of the Trinity is simply a conclusion of what Scripture teaches, that there is only one God, but yet there are three divine persons that are given all the attributes of God, all the worship due unto God, and um, have all the prerogatives of God himself. And so, <clears throat> this here supposed quote here from Irenaeus is no issue. Because it's what we as Trinitarians actually believe. Now, they say this. Um, um, that uh, the pre-human Jesus had a separate existence from God. It was an inferior to him. He showed that Jesus was not equal uh, to the one true and only God. Uh, the one thing that is often not understood by anti-Trinitarians is that um, in the Incarnation, um, we as Christians and early church fathers speak of Jesus lowering himself in the Incarnation. We see this in the Carmen Christi itself in Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 through 8, and speaking of Jesus, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. We see Hebrews 2 9, where the writer of Hebrews attributes here Jesus to uh, the psalm, where it says, But we see him who is for a little while made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor. So we believe that Jesus Christ, the incarnate one, the one who took upon himself human flesh, um, and a human nature uh, lowered himself and he lowered himself even lower than angels uh, for a purpose to redeem his people from their sins but this is not a denial of the deity of Christ um, to acknowledge that within the hypostatic union that the eternal Son of God took upon a human nature and humbled himself and became a man. Uh, the divine nature did not change. Uh, the divine nature remained intact. Um, and so Jesus was both God, fully God, and fully man. 
And so if early church fathers affirmed that Jesus made himself lower than God the Father, that's within Orthodox Trinitarian beliefs. That's what we actually believe. Um, now, it says here, it said the pre-human Jesus had a separate existence from God. Well, what, what do you actually mean by separate existence? Do you mean separate ontologically in being? Well, then, no. And Irenaeus didn't believe that either. Um, do you mean separate in person? Yes. Uh, Jesus is a distinct person from God the Father, but he's not distinct ontologically and in essence. <clears throat> um, we see that the eternal Son of God has always been co-equal and co-eternal with the Father. We see John 1.1, 1, 1, Hebrews 1, 1.8, that he is God, and God is not less than God. Um, he is co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Um, so we have the assumption of Unitarianism, and we have the misrepresentation and understanding of what we believe happened in the Incarnation. Let's look at some quotes, though, from Irenaeus to see what he um, actually believed. Uh, this is um, Irenaeus's uh, Against Heresies, Book 1, Chapter 10. Irenaeus says this, The church, though dispersed throughout the whole world, even to the ends of the earth, has received from the apostles and their disciples this faith. One God, the Father, Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and the sea and all things that are in them. And in one Christ Jesus, the Son of God, who became incarnate for our salvation, and in the Holy Spirit, who proclaimed through the prophets the dispensations of God. So notice here the Trinitarian construction here. The God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But he goes on to say, And to raise up anew all flesh in the whole human race in order that to Christ Jesus our Lord and God and Savior and King. So Jesus Christ is Lord, God, Savior, and King. Is that something as a Jehovah's Witness that you believe? Do you believe Jesus was God? Irenaeus did. Um... He goes on in his book Against Heresies, uh, book 3, uh, in chapter 19. He says this, For I have shown from the scriptures that no one of the sons of Adam is as to everything and absolutely called God or named Lord, but that he is himself in his own right beyond all men who ever lived, God and Lord and King Eternal and the incarnate word proclaimed by all the prophets, the apostles, and by the Spirit himself. Notice once again the absolute affirmation of Jesus Christ, the incarnate word being God. God and Lord and King Eternal. These are all titles of God himself. Uh, he goes on in the very same chapter. Um, he says this. He goes, And he was despised among the people and humbled himself even to death. This is obviously a citation of Philippians chapter 2, the Carmen Christi. And that he is the Holy Lord, the Wonderful, the Counselor, the Beautiful in Appearance. And the mighty God, uh, an obvious reference to Isaiah 9.6. The next church father we want to look at that this uh, pamphlet addresses, uh, by the way, uh, for those of you that check it out, um, I do, in the article published um, on the blog, actually have a link to a PDF copy of this actual pamphlet. So if you actually want to check it out, you can um, you can check it out there at the website. There is a PDF copy of it out there. So the next claim in the pamphlet is uh, attributed to Clement of Alexandria. And this is what the pamphlet says. 
And I quote, Clement of Alexandria, who died about 215 CE, called God the uncreated and imperishable and only true God. He said that the Son is next to the only omnipotent Father, but not equal to him. Once again, we see a twisting here. And I'm, and maybe, you know what, I should have probably blown this up and shown this on the screen. But uh, I'll, just, I'll go ahead and um, show you how they actually put quotes in here. Uh, it's very telling. So I'm going to read it again, and I'm going to note where they actually put quotations as being what Clement of Alexandria actually said. So it says, Clement of Alexandria, who died about 215 C, called God, then, quote, the uncreated and imperishable and only true God, end quote. He said that the Son, beginning quote, is next to the only omnipotent Father, end quote. But this last phrase that they add here is not is not actually said by Clement of Alexandria, but not equal to him. Notice the deception. Um, both of those statements are well within Orthodox Trinitarian theology. Uh, the first quote, the uncreated and imperishable and only true God. That's what we believe. We believe that there is an uncreated and imperishable and only true God. There's only one God. We are monotheists as Trinitarians. We are not tritheists or polytheists. We are uh, monotheists. We believe there is only one God. He also says that the Son is next to the only omnipotent Father. Yes, that's actually what John 1 1 says. It says um, that the Son was prostantheon, was face to face with the Father. Um, this has been the state of the persons of the Trinity in eternity past. They've always been uh, next to one another. And so this is well within Orthodox Trini Tr uh, Trinitarian doctrine. This is not a refutation of it whatsoever. This doesn't even put a dent into it. Um, uh, but notice once again here the assumptions of Unitarianism. Um, assuming once again when uh, Clement of Alexandria says there is only one true God, that that also means there is only one true divine person. Um, just an assumption on your part, unproven, you have to prove it. Um, when scripture makes it abundantly clear that there are three divine persons within the Godhead. Um, let's see what uh, Clement of Alexandria actually said about Jesus. And this is in um, his book, The Instructor, Book 1, Chapter 2. Clement of Alexander actually uh, writes this. He says, Now, O you, my children, our instructor is like his father, God, whose son he is, sinless, blameless, and with a soul devoid of passion, God in the form of man, stainless, the minister of his father's will, the word who is God, who is in the Father, who is at the Father's right hand, and with the form of God is God. You, you cannot get more clear on the deity of Christ. You just can't get a more clear statement. He repeatedly affirms it. And to then say that Clement of Alexander didn't believe that Jesus is God is an absurdity. It's an absolute absurdity. Um, he goes on in the very same pa paragraph and says, As far, however, as we can, let us try to sin as little as possible, for nothing is so urgent in the first place as deliverance from the passions and disorders, and then the checking of our liability to fall into sins that have become habitual. It's best, therefore, not to sin at all in any way, which we assert to be the prerogative of God alone. So he earlier says that Jesus is a spotless image, a sinless one, one who never sinned. But he says here that the ability not to sin at all is a prerogative of God alone. Once again, an affirmation of the deity of Christ. Um, the next church father, which I find this one particularly egregious, that the attempt is being made here in this publication 
that Tertullian did not believe the doctrine of the Trinity. When Tertullian was the one who coined our theological term of the Trinity. Um, or he was most likely the one, he's the, he's the earliest writer that we can find that actually used the term Trinity. And this is only around um, uh, 200, maybe a little after 200 AD when this was written, which would be 125 years before the Council of Nicaea. Tertullian actually used the term Trinity. So to make the assertion that Tertullian was not a Trinitarian is the height of absurdity. Um, this is what the pamphlet actually says, and I quote, Tertullian, who died around 230 CE, taught the supremacy of God. He observed, here's the quote, The Father is different from the Son, another, as he is greater, as he who begets is different from him who is begotten, he who sends different from he who is sent, end quote. He also said, there was a time when the Son was not, before all things, God was alone, end quote. Well, first of all, um, they once again don't attribute where these actual quotes come from, so I don't exactly know where they were citing them from, and I wasn't able to find that. But let's actually look at the quote. Let's just analyze, let's just take them for their word that this is actually something Tertullian actually said, which I have my doubts. But um, um, it says here, the Father is different from the Son, another, yes, we actually, as Trinitarians, believe that the Father is different from the Son. The question is how. If you're assuming here this statement is ontologically different, then you would go against everything Tertullian ever had taught repeatedly, and we will look into that. Um, so we think that the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father, but their distinguishment is in their subsistence, in their personhood. They are different persons. Um, However, they share the same being and essence of God. Um, and it says here, um, as he who begets is different from he from him who is begotten. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt. Uh, there's the Father and there's the Son who is begotten. Um, they are different persons. Uh, he who sends different from he who is sent. Um, he also said that there was a time when the Son was not. Before all things, God was alone. Okay? What, what do you mean by there was a time that the Son was not? Was, if this is actually a quote from Tertullian, Tertullian would have meant that there was a time uh, before the Incarnation when Jesus, as the person who shared two natures, the divine and human nature, was not. Yes. Jesus actually began to exist at a certain point of time uh, within creation. But the divine nature... The eternal Son of God has always existed with the Father. Um, but there was a point in time where the eternal Son of God joined himself to a human nature. And we have the person of Jesus Christ who walked on this earth, who died for our sins. Um, so we have the union of the human nature and the divine nature. So if that's what you're, if that's what Tertullian was referring to, I don't know because I can't find your citation. But um, yes, we would believe that there was a time where before the incarnation, um, when the person of Jesus united with the divine and human nature did not come into existence. There was a time when he came into existence. Um, but the Son of God, the divine nature within the person of Jesus Christ has always, always existed um, as the eternal Son of God. Um, so let's, um, let's look at some uh, other quotes uh, from Tertullian. This is in um, his work against Praxius in chapter 2. Tertullian writes this. We define that there are two, the Father and the Son, and three with the Holy Spirit. And this number is made by the pattern of salvation, which brings about unity in Trinity, interrelating, interrelating the three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are three, not in dignity, 
but in degree, not in substance, but in form, not in power, but in kind. They are of one substance and power because there is one God from whom these degrees, forms, and kinds devolve in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can not get a more clear definition of the Trinity. That's it right there. That's the doctrine of the Trinity. And this was well over a century before the Council of Nicaea. And you're actually trying to use Tertullian as an example of one who denied the doctrine of the Trinity? That's intentional deception. Intentional deception. And the question comes down to this again. Why would you entrust your eternal salvation to a society that is willing to deceive like that? How do you know that they're not deceiving you on other things? A question I hope you ask yourself. Um, Tertullian also goes on in his work um, against Praxius in chapter 3. And the title of this actual chapter is Sundry Popular Fears and Prejudices, The Doctrine of the Trinity in Unity, Rescued from These Misapprehensions. Um, and I'm not just going to, I'm not going to read all this here, but he says here, um, uh, who always constitute the majority of believers are started at the dispensation of the three and one on the ground that their very rule of faith withdraws them from the world's plurality of gods to the one only true God. So notice the affirmation of three. Notice the affirmation of one only true God. Um, it says here, not un not understanding that although he is the one only God, he must yet be believed in his own oconomia um, or administration, uh, the numerical order and distribution of the Trinity. They assume to be a division of the unity, whereas the unity which derives the Trinity out of its own self is so far from being destroyed that it actually is supported by it. So what... Tertullian is actually saying here is he's really talking about those who once again assume uh, really the same thing I'm dealing with right now is that if there is a trinity they assume that this is a division in the unity and that's what we're saying we're saying there is one being of God there is one as the uh, Council of Nicaea actually reaffirmed um, that there is one homoousius the same substance is the essence of what uh, makes up the three divine persons within the Godhead. Homoousius. One homoousius uh, and three divine subsistences. He goes on to say, it says, uh, well then, the Latins take pains to pronounce the monarchia or monarchy, while Greeks actually refuse to understand the economia or dispensation of the three in one. Once again, an affirmation of the three in one. Goes on down further to say, how, come, how comes it to pass that God should be thought to suffer division and severance in the Son and in the Holy Ghost, who have the second and third places assigned to them, who are so closely joined with the Father in his substance when he suffers no such division and severance in the multitude of so many angels. So Tertullian is making the Trinitarian argument here that there is the first, second, and third place within the Godhead, the first being the Father, the second being the Son, the third being the Holy Spirit, and that this does not constitute a division in the substance of God. That is Trinitarian theology. That is what Tertullian believed, and he even used the term Trinity. Um, now, I'll grant you, if you say that the term Trinity was not used um, until, not used by the, uh, um, the apostles, the writers of the New Testament, and uh, some of the early patristic writers, yes, that's true. But the Trinity is a theological term. The term amillennialism, 
premillennialism, um, postmillennialism, the term hypostatic union, the term communicato idiomatum. Um, I could think of many other theological terms. Calvinism, Arminianism. There's plenty of theological terms which describe a system of beliefs. And Trinity is one of those. Um, it's just describing a system of beliefs. You could either say, I could either say I'm a Trinitarian, or I could spend the time giving out a paragraph of what I actually believe the Bible teaches about God. Or I could just use the theological term Trinity. And that's really all it is. Um, does theological language and does the theological dictionary develop over time? Can we uh, summarize um, a lot of these different uh, theological beliefs? Uh, infralapsarianism, superlapsarianism. These are beliefs about the decrees of God or the decree of God. But I can know very quickly without having to question somebody if he tells me he's a superlapsarian or he tells me an infralapsarian. I... I know what he believes about the decrees of God um, based upon those theological terms, and that's no different. Tertullian was simply introducing a new theological term into our theological dictionary, which is something that has happened throughout the entire history of the Christian church. <coughs> um so let's look here. The next um um, Antonician father that they address here in the pamphlet is Hippolytus of Rome, who lived around 170 to 235 A.D. Uh, he's contemporary uh, to Tertullian. Um, but uh, these are the things they said that Hippolytus said, and here's another example that there's no actual argument here against the doctrine of the Trinity because. Everything here is based upon the assumption of Unitarianism. So I'll go ahead and read the actual quote here. Um, so the, here it is, uh, the quote from the pamphlet. Um, begin quote, uh, Hippolytus, who died around 235 CE, said that God is the one God, the first and the only one, the maker and Lord of all, who had nothing to, nothing coeval of equal age with him, but he was one alone by himself who willing it called into being what had no being before. And then here is an addition, which was not said by Hippolytus, but here we go. Here's their addition, such as the created prehuman Jesus. Okay, that's an insertion that you made there, but that's not what Hippolytus believed. Um, once again, there's only one God. There's only one, the maker, the Lord of all. Um, there is uh, nothing which is uh, of equal age with God. Um, he was one and alone by himself. Yeah, yeah. It says in uh, Isaiah that uh, I who stretched out the heavens alone by myself. Yeah. Yeah, we believe there's only one God and he created everything by himself. But within that one God, there are three divine persons. Um, <clears throat> and so this has no, this doesn't even issue a dent against the doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, let's look at some quotes uh, from uh, Hippolytus. In his work uh, against Noetus, um, it says here, A man, therefore, even though he will it not, is compelled to acknowledge God the Father Almighty, and Christ Jesus, the Son of God, who being God, became man, to whom also the Father made all things subject himself except, and the Holy Spirit, and that these three, that these therefore are three. So notice here the affirmation of the Son of God, being God. Um, we see the Father, we see the Holy Spirit, and we see uh, the reference that these therefore are three. Um, he also said um, in um, his expository treatise against the Jews, he said, Now, Christ prayed all this economically as man, being, however, true God. But as I have already said, it was the form of a servant that spake and suffered these things. <coughs> so once again, seeing that Christ being, however, 
true God. Um, the last one that they attempt to use is Origen. Um, Origen was an Alexandrian theologian. He had been a student of Clement of Alexandria. And um, they say this about Origen, and I quote, uh, Origen, who died around 250 CE, said that the Father and the Son are two substances, two things as to their essence, and that compared with the Father, the Son is a very small light. Now, once again, I have no idea uh, what actual work of Origen they are um, uh, saying they're citing here because they don't give the citations again. Um, however, um, Origen did have some problematic views, which actually created some issues at the Council of Nicaea itself. In fact, the controversy between uh, homoousius and homoousius, which is uh, homoousius is same substance, and uh, homoousius is similar substance. Uh, many of those who followed Origen, known as the Originists, um, uh, were more willing to adopt the Nicene Creed if it said homoousius. Now, this is opposed to the Arians, who believed heterousius, um, or usian, which uh, means uh, a different or totally different substance. And it's speaking about Jesus being a different substance from the Father. The Originists said that he was a similar substance to the Father, and the uh, the ones who held to the Nicene Creed, because the Nicene Creed actually said the homo uh, or homoousius, which is the same substance. So, um, Origen did have a few problematic views that would be deemed heretical today. He was uh, he believed in the uh, eternal existence of the soul. Um, in other words, uh, the soul pre-existed creation, every human being. Uh, he believed in universal salvation. Uh, and uh, some of his writings, uh, you, you could uh, possibly see that uh, he saw more of a distinction within the Godhead, uh, which led to um, some of his later followers adopting homoousius versus homoousius. So... There is some of that uh, there. However, Origen was not a Jehovah's Witness. In fact, he strongly believed in the deity of Christ, the deity of the Holy Spirit, and and basically the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, I think he went a little bit far <laughs> in dividing the essence of God. Um, however, he was definitely not an Arian um, or a modern-day Jehovah's Witness. He did not believe that Jesus was simply a created being. Um, in his On First Principles, De Principas, uh, Origen says this. says, If anyone would say that the word of God and the wisdom of God had a beginning, let him beware, lest he direct his impiety rather against the unbegotten Father, since he denies that he was always Father. Um, basically, Origen's argument is that if God is the Father, has always been the Father, then there must have always been a Son. Um, and so his argument here is exactly against what the Jehovah's Witnesses assert, that Jesus was a created being who um, had a beginning in time and did not pre-exist his incarnation, um, other than in uh, Michael the Archangel, um, but um, that uh, he... He did not pre-exist the creation of the world, um, and that he was simply a created being. Uh, obviously, Origen here is rejecting that idea. Origen actually says, um, in another one of his works, uh, oh, actually, once again, on, on First Principles de Principas, he says, uh, For if the Holy Spirit were not eternally as he is, and had received knowledge at some time, and then become the Holy Spirit, this were the case, the Holy Spirit would never be reckoned in the unity of the Trinity, along with the unchangeable Father and His Son, unless He had always been the Holy Spirit. 
So notice here Tertullian, or not Tertullian, I'm sorry, Origen, is actually arguing for the deity of the Holy Spirit here now, which is completely denied by the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. The Holy Spirit is just simply a force, an impersonal force. Uh, here he's uh, affirming the personal nature of the Holy Spirit and his union in the Godhead as being God eternally. Um, <clears throat> he also says, also in First Principles, he says, Moreover, nothing in the Trinity can be called greater or less, since the fountain of divinity alone contains all things by his word and reason, and by the spirit of his mouth sanctifies all things which are worthy of sanctification. So, in the previous quote, they said that um, uh, that the Son, that Ordin said the Son is a very small light in compared with the Father. But notice here in this quote here that uh, nothing, Moreover, nothing in the Trinity can be called greater or less. He's proclaiming the co-eternal and co-equal nature of the divine persons. Um, so, there we go. That is um, Jehovah's Witness, Watchtower Bible and Tract Society scholarship. Um, trying to establish that the early church fathers... Um, at least the Orthodox ones did not actually believe in the Trinity. And hopefully that is completely and totally refuted. Uh, but let's quickly look at some other uh, early church fathers, and let's just uh, read some quotes from them. Let's read uh, Polycarp and Ignatius, and the reason I picked these is because these are very, very early examples. Uh, in fact, Polycarp uh, would have been a disciple of uh, John the Apostle. Uh, Ignatius of Antioch was the bishop at Antioch. Uh, which was the early uh, epicenter of Christianity, uh, where, in fact, Paul, uh, the apostle, uh, started his missionary journeys from, was from Antioch. And so uh, Ignatius uh, very likely had very close connection and probably knew uh, many and met some of the apostles. Um, and so uh, let's just go ahead and read some quotes from these very, very early patristic writers here. So Polycarp... Uh, writes this, it says, O Lord God Almighty, I blessed you and glorify you through the eternal and heavenly high priest Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, through whom be glory to you with him and the Holy Spirit, both now and forever. Notice the Trinitarian construction, very, very early Trinitarian construction. Uh, he also uh, says in his epistle of Polycarp to the Church of Philippi, he says in chapter 12, he says, uh, now may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal high priest himself, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, build you up in the faith and truth. Notice that Jesus Christ is the eternal high priest. He has eternally existed. Um, Ignatius um, of Antioch uh, writes this. He says, uh, Trinitarian construction here in Christ Jesus, our Lord, by whom, with whom be glory and power to the Father with the Holy Spirit forever. Um, he also writes in um, his letter to the Ephesians uh, on his way to his martyrdom. He writes this. Uh, there is one only physician, the flesh and of spirit, generate and ingenerate, God in man, true life in death. Son of Mary and Son of God, first passable and then impassable, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Notice the affirmation of Jesus Christ being God. Uh, first passable, uh, affirming the uh, uh, um, the impassibility of um, of God, and that um, Jesus Christ was. Uh, says here, generate and ingenerate. Uh, he's comparing the natures here within the one person of Jesus Christ and that he is God in man, true life in death. And so we see a very, very high Christology here very, very early on uh, within um, even the uh, just shortly after the, the lifespan of the apostles themselves with uh, some of the other early patristic writers. So uh, there we go. Um, I think that is all we're going to cover today. We're actually over an hour. Um, 
before we end the show today, I do want to also encourage you to go and check out uh, Tyler Vela's uh, podcast, The Freed Thinker. Um, has some really good episodes on there um, in dealing with atheism, uh, but he's also had some good stuff recently on Molinism and uh, theonomy. So I'd encourage you to check that out. And we'll go ahead and uh, play his promo now for his podcast. Hi, this is Tyler from the Freed Thinker podcast. Do you have an atheistic or a skeptical friend in your life who challenges you and your beliefs? Have you ever wondered about the passages in the Bible that talk about keeping slaves or about bears mauling children to the command of God? Or are you just generally interested in issues related to theology, biblical studies, philosophy, and apologetics? Well, if you're any of those, I would love to invite you over to the Freed Thinker podcast to explore some of our content that we have available. On the Freed Thinker, we engage in a philosophically robust manner with some of Christianity's most staunch critics. The Freed Thinker podcast is the place where freed thinkers can think freely. All right, we'll go and check his podcast out. Um, well, I think that's where we're going to end today. Um, I hope uh, that was helpful to you. And if you you know, have that knock on your door with some Jehovah's Witnesses, and uh, they bring this pamphlet to your attention. Um, I hope that you're equipped to um, be able to address uh, those issues. Um, always remember um, to recognize those assumptions that uh, they will bring to the table on this discussion. The assumption of being in person, uh, being synonyms. Um, ask them to prove that uh, from Scripture. Um, because scripture is very clear uh, that there are three persons within the one being of God. And if you um, are interested, go back. I have uh, some previous episodes where I talk about, I do a presentation on Christological heresies, one on Trinitarian heresies, um, and we get into some of these things. Um, if you listen to my debate with Carl Albert, um, you can see a defense there of the Trinity. And so... Um, there should be some stuff there that uh, is useful um, to you there. So hopefully, um, uh, by God's grace, that is helpful to you. And uh, Lord willing, we will see you guys uh, next week. Done.